month since we have started with the science talk show and we met many successful inspiring guests on this show which pleased us a lot after this accomplishment it's my honor to have a person who taught me during my masters in fact he's a person many students like me used to consult for solutions he's none other than abhishek mishra currently pursuing his postdoctoral in methodist hospital houston usa without any further ado let's welcome him hello sir welcome to the science talk show thank you thank you sobhan so I know you have done a lot in your life and you have achieved a lot and in fact you have your journey begin from India and now right now you are in the USA so would you like to tell something about your journey um yeah it's been a long journey so uh research actually started uh, when i started my phd at national chemical laboratory so um uh, even even before that when i was a graduate student at banaras hindu university um i got a opportunity to meet some really good scientists at that time um one of them was dr lalji singh uh, he used to visit our department department of zoology uh, in bhu and uh, give talk to us and uh, that was the period of time when uh, human genome was out and everybody was very excited about it uh, about the discovery and uh, kind of uh, knowledge uh, it it reveals to us um, and so that is the point when i realized that i'm going to make a career in in research wow. so i uh, i did my masters uh, from the same department as you did uh, in goa university um uh, marine biotechnology department and then um i i did uh, my phd from uh, national chemical laboratory pune so there uh, i got an opportunity to um, so in the period of uh, this where i got opportunity to do some summer trainings and uh, msc dissertation etc i i formed uh, uh, interest in uh, in infectious disease so i i joined okay. uh, dr sarkar's lab uh in uh, uh national chemical laboratory um their their uh, this lab was uh, interested in understanding bacterial physiology as well as drug development program um so i with my some pre- preliminary results and some already existing results from the previous lab members uh we realized that there is a area which need to be addressed in terms of bacterial physiology uh which is the redox regulation or reactive oxygen species uh, regulation to the bacterial physiology so that time i was working with um uh, model organism which is not infectious for uh, as such for tuberculosis that is okay. mycobacterium spegmatis and uh, mycobacterium bovis which is uh, for bovine animals uh so i did with this and then i moved to uh goa university after my phd as an assistant professor there i was teaching for 3 years and uh, uh, i still had this interest of uh, in infectious disease uh, particularly in innate immunology so uh, when i was uh, there at goa university 
uh, I wrote a review with my present lab, the current lab where I'm working, um, on uh, our new understanding about the innate immune system and how it can control tuberculosis. Uh, so three years later, they, uh, when I got this position, I was really enthusiastic. Also, uh, I have not uh, worked with uh, biosafety laboratory level three. Um, so I find this uh, opportunity very interesting. Also some stem cell research, uh, which the lab, which I'm working right now. So uh, the basic belief of the lab is uh, that the tuberculosis can be controlled 90% of times with basic innate immune response. So if we can train this uh, uh, innate immune response, either with some of the adjuvants or through vaccines, uh, what we can do is uh, we can get a robust protection against tuberculosis. So that's how uh, it's going on and uh, currently I'm working here. Yes, sir. And in fact, uh, I heard that you you got uh, media coverage for one of your research, uh, which you published a few months back. And that is, I think, the novel strategy for tuberculosis vaccine. Can you briefly explain about this research? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, we already have uh, a vaccine for tuberculosis, which is BCG. And I'm sure you also have it. I also had as a child and um, most of children in India and uh, other Asian countries get this vaccine also in Africa. This is a, a, a century old vaccine. Uh, the controversy with this vaccine is that it provides a protection uh, which people say is from 0% to 80%. So, okay. uh, so it's not a very robust vaccine and very reliable vaccine. So there is a, is a need to develop a tuber process vaccine. So BCG is basically a, a bovine strain of mycobacterium. Uh, so mycobacterium tuberculosis is the strain which causes tuberculosis. So the bovine strain is mycobacterium bovis, and BCG is the uh, particular strain uh, of uh, this uh, species which uh, is used as vaccine. Uh, but uh, the, the presentation of these uh, antigens is not as good through BCG. So uh, the strategy what we used is uh, we use uh, adenovirus uh, which is a bovine adenovirus. Like if you have uh, heard about the COVID shield vaccine of uh, coronavirus, uh, for that they are using a, a chimpanzee uh, adenovirus code and they code uh, DNA in that uh, vector and deliver it. So we use a similar strategy. We use bovine adenovirus instead of chimpanzee adenovirus and we coded some of the proteins of, um, of mycobacterium tuberculosis. And what it does is that uh, it induces uh, immune response uh, in, in the human system. Uh, so we, uh, we did it with uh, some uh, macrophages study with human cells. And uh, basically this whole data is about uh, mice system. Uh, and currently we are working on uh, non-human primates like monkeys. Uh, we are uh, testing this vaccine and uh, we got very interesting data for, uh, from uh, mice so because we found that the bovine adenovirus coat also uh, produce a substantial response and which uh, enables my system to, uh, to 
to fight against tuberculosis now why it is interesting so it's not the tuberculosis protein but the viral coat itself which means that uh, that one of the viral vector it's diversely affecting other bacteria too so if it is providing protection against tuberculosis without exposure of tuberculosis so uh, this is the idea which i uh, told in the beginning that we can train our innate immune system uh, which is not very specific but uh, it can uh, provide a robust response so uh, so so these are the some basic ideas which we are working and we are building up our current research so sir efficacy is much better than the currently available bcg vaccine uh yeah uh, so uh, it, it won't be uh, in in absolute sense because uh, the data we which we have is a mice data so mice and human are not same we all know that uh, and uh, human show some resistance to tuberculosis infection naturally like uh, in high burden country like our country in india uh, we know that, that there is a heavy burden of tuberculosis Uh, infectious people are around but not everybody is getting infected so uh, one of the reason is that uh, uh, to yes. some extent we are able to uh, have some protection against it but when we see this in mice uh, if you infect it with tuberculosis uh, they don't survive so their immune system is weaker than uh, the human immune system so uh, at the mice level yes if we compare to with bcg uh, our vaccine Uh, provide a better protection, but uh, the human we don't know. So that's why we are uh, running an experiment with non-human primates. Uh, and if we get a similar kind of data, then then we will be uh, we'll be expecting a m- much better response in human because it is more advanced immune system and uh, it may provide a better protection. Yeah. Okay, sir. Uh, with that, I remember like uh, with the adenovirus and the COVID. Since you said uh, you mentioned about the COVID, I know that you have also published one paper related to the COVID. And uh, considering the fact that the COVID have not got eradicated, only the cases have come down. What do you think? What uh, what prevention methods and strategy for the treatment you mentioned in your paper, which can be useful for the people? Would you like to share some of them? Yeah so uh, the the paper you're talking about is uh, one and a half year old when we don't uh, have much data about uh, uh, covid uh, covid uh, as a disease uh, also there was no vaccine approved at that time so what what we did is uh, we reviewed uh, all the strategies which uh, uh, people are trying at that time like um, like some of the drugs uh which and what what are the mechanism of these drugs and how similar kind of drugs can be developed and the vaccines like uh, which later got approved like moderna and uh, yeah. pfizer so so it was a compilation of all these uh, thing and that time we have no idea but now it's a, it's a it's completely quite, different yeah. scenario yeah. so um you know, one of the, one of the thing which is very consistent with the, with the vaccines that wherever we have uh, two day doses of this vaccine uh, people are able to contain this disease and uh, also uh, a very important uh, 
aspect of this is that the hospitalization rate or the disease severity which we say that uh, uh, in which uh, uh, patients are going to the icu that scenario is uh, is pretty much contained after two doses of vaccine also there are two drugs one is uh, a drug from pfizer and one from merck uh, they they showed a, a very good potential uh, they still uh, in the phase of approval but uh, i'm sure they'll get uh, it very soon they have already published that data uh, which which, uh, which shows that there is a, a sufficient protection so uh, so using this uh, in, in current scenario uh, i'm hoping that uh, it, it's getting better uh, like every month one of the uh, problems still we are, we have is uh, vaccine discrepancy like the countries which are rich the countries which are uh, uh, developing and in good shape like in, even in india so mm-hmm. the the vaccine distribution is very good but there are many poor countries they don't have uh, their own resources and they are there is a huge vaccine discrepancy so so in uh, in the countries which are which we say developed countries they are providing booster doses for this uh, vaccine uh, whereas mm-hmm. uh, some of the countries which uh, have not received a uh, single dose also so yeah this is discrepancy may be uh, a threat later uh, because um because uh, this is something which is which we have already seen that this virus evolved if so if we want to contain it we need to vaccinate people globally irrespective of from which country they are or what are their pursuit so yeah so that that is one of the thing which i i think uh, uh, need to be addressed urgently but uh, otherwise i think things will get better uh, after every month it will get better yeah definitely it's getting better and uh, the things will improve soon so so i know you have very good interest and in fact you are very much enthusiastic about the innate immunity system and on research related to that and you are currently working on that but i know one more fact that you have also worked on nanotechnology so would you like to tell your thoughts about the nanotechnology and its impact on today's world so uh, in uh, so uh, i i was uh, i had an exposure of nanotechnology as i said when i was doing uh, my phd in ncl uh, and ncl was one of the institute which is uh, uh, forefront of nanotechnology so uh, in 90s and in 2000 beginning of 2000 uh, there uh, i think there were hundreds of a publication from ncl uh, in that that period in the in the beginning of nanotech era so uh, i have an exposure i have been meeting because these are uh, like neighboring labs uh, i was interacting with so i have some understanding mm-hmm. but it get better when i joined uh, goa university they are one of uh, I, i kept one of my research interest as Uh, nanotechnology and i was also teaching nanobiotechnology yes, as a course uh, there um, so um, 
uh, I I designed some of them as a dissertation topic uh, related to it, and I found that uh, uh, there were I got very good MSc students. They were they worked very hard, uh, also very focused, and uh, we were uh, able to mark some uh, progress in that some good data which 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 was publishable. Um, so that actually increased. Uh, that interest in in nanotechnology. So, uh, in in my present lab also, uh, now I'm I'm trying to develop uh, uh, one more approach, uh, which is still very nascent, but uh, I can uh, talk about it. Is that developing a kind of uh, nano vaccines, uh, which uh, can stimulate this kind of wide range response, which I was talking about, like a battery reactor. So. Uh, yeah. As you are a student of nanobiotechnology, you know that uh, even yeah. some of the biomolecules, uh, like for example, vector, uh, viral vector, could be considered as uh, a nano carrier because because of their size of less than uh, hundred nanometer, or little larger than hundred nanometer. So in, in nanometer range, uh, because these particles are there, so this or there could be some. Uh, lipid particles, or there could be some carbon uh, composites, uh, which can be functionalized with some groups, which can induce an innate immune response. So this is one of the sites which uh, I'm uh, I'm working on currently. Also, uh, also I saw your uh, video on your channel uh, on nanotechnology. I liked it. Uh, it's very uh, it's very Thank good. You, I will recommend your viewers to have a look at it that uh, on that video. Thank too. You, sir. Um, so nanotechnology is interesting, and and you know that when 20 years back, when people were talking about uh, nanotechnology, particularly in the field of biology, so uh, they have made uh, like uh, like in our country, like in India, we have a very good facility for uh, chemistry research. So in chemistry research, they have already marked uh, like they have made all kind of solar solar cells. Uh, they have made materials which are good for um, space shuttles and all. So all those kind of materials are being made uh, long back uh, in India, where 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 research infrastructure is not that big. But they have did very good fundamental research in nanotechnology. Yeah. But uh, but uh, 20 years back, if you ask somebody that what is the contribution of uh, nanotechnology in uh, general, in general biology. So people were very skeptical about it because um, they, they, there were not much products. There are proof of concept, but they there are not actual products. But uh, as we know now that the two vaccines, like Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, mm -hmm. the mRNA is coated in a nano care. Nano so so it's, it's something now which is very vast and it's like day-to-day -day life, everybody's getting it. So once you, you're using it as a part of, uh, as a part, and also, you know, uh, there are many nanocomposites in uh, different kind of cosmetics is used uh, these days. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the energy efficient cars, like uh, the one uh, which we discuss as uh, electric cars. Yeah. So, uh, so these, these most of these cars, their battery, uh, their chips, uh, the automated driving, all these are driven by nanotechnology. So, uh, at present, nanotechnology is something which 
we are using very regularly. Uh, same thing in in biology also. So um, like gene editing system like CRISPR and uh, all. So the delivery of this system uh, into the cells is taking place through these nano carriers. Yeah. So uh, many drug release, controlled drug release. Now these things are reality uh, in, in present world. So yeah. it has taken a long leap in in say ten years in terms of actual products. The proof of concept was there twenty uh, years back, but now today we have actual products. Also, um, you know, sequencing. So there is a, a nanopore sequencing, which um, I don't uh, remember if you could recall that uh, when we were teach, uh, uh, there was a lecture of DNA sequencing. There is something called as nanopore. So I um, I used to say that this is going to be a technology in in few years. Uh, yeah. In fact, you passed. Your MSc in one or two years. That is actually technology which comes. So there is an Oxford nanopore uh, system available for DNA sequencing, which is using same nanotechnology. So yeah. nanotechnology wow. advancements uh, have been huge in last ten years. So yes, okay. we are all uh, surrounded by it in in any field from agriculture, medicine to space. Everything uh, is it has a role. Yeah, in fact, the advancement is such that even a common people, the person who does not know anything about the technology, knows about there is something called nanotechnology. So I think yeah. yes, of course, it have spread a lot, and it, the advancement is huge. Yes, sir. So thank you so much for sharing your research. Ask you one practical question, like uh, since you have right now you are doing the postdoctorate over there, and you have got it on your own and so i think you must have faced some challenges which you overcome since you are there so what the suggestion would you like to give to the aspirants who wants to study abroad uh, the, from the experience which you got in your journey first of all uh, the the one thing uh, so when i was uh, finishing my masters so one thing i had is that uh, i want to study abroad uh, for my PhD, or uh, I should do uh, a PhD here in India. So uh, there is a confusion, and uh, so in confusion, if some time goes, then uh, it, it become very difficult to make a judgment. Like um, I was preparing for GRE, and at the same time uh, I got a PhD position in NCL. So uh, it I I become biased toward that, and I didn't pursue it thoroughly, but. Yeah. Uh, if somebody is, has a plan, they should start a little early. That is one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later, uh, also, uh, it should be very specific that what you actually want. It's, it should not be just that you want to go abroad, but yeah. what what is your purpose? So, for yourself, not for not for your uh, SOP statement of purpose, but but for yourself, what is what what is your uh, pursuit? Why you want to go abroad? Uh, like if uh, you get a good lab in India and uh, not so good lab in abroad, just going abroad will not make. Or it is out the field which is not interest you much. So uh, these 
things uh, first uh, the, the person who want to pursue should do it uh, second thing is uh, networking networking is something which i think is is very very important uh, these days um so one once you know which kind of lab you want to go uh, what kind of work you want to do then you should start networking because uh, as a research career the most important thing if you ask anybody um, it could be good institute it could be good research topic it could be the resources you have for your phd but the most important thing would be a right mentor the the person with whom you are going to work uh, that that mentor should be very good that that is the fundamental thing of uh, any pursuit of of research because um, because that that is very critical for for any aspect of uh, the career so uh, so at that point if you start networking with right people trying to understand not just rush up into any lab but but you want to understand and go then that that, that thing is a uh, very important so uh, in present age so if i see it like uh, 10 15 years back it was hard to approach because there is only one way you can email them uh, yeah. and you you may not get any response which which happens most of the time because they are also overburdened with lots of emails and uh, mm-hmm. uh and request uh, which is uh, not practical and and some of these emails are not very serious as uh, they are they have a certain format that i do this i want to work with you and this so so they look at they are not interested in that uh, it would be better if you network through uh, through other platforms and not for getting a position but getting into that field and having a better understanding so this uh, But this will take a little longer time like you may have to invest 6 months one year extra but this will be a very good advantage uh, for starting up a research career like for phd or even in postdoc so um, one more thing uh, which in postdoc is uh, that people start uh, applying early like for when they are on verge of their submission of phd at that time uh, they have to uh, they should apply uh, to the uh, to the positions but at that pro- uh, at that time there is one uh, problem which is like publications so some of the publications are not through some you cannot reveal so at, at that yeah. point of time and that uh, uh, that makes uh, application a bit weak but uh, in today's scenario it's a bit different like people uh, publish their work in a preprint server so it is not peer reviewed but your publication is in open domain so these preprint servers like servers like matrix biorix these these are very helpful these days so uh, once you you have your manuscript ready uh, because publication of a manuscript uh, may take 6 months to Uh, one year after peer review uh, there could be attempts in multiple journals so uh, one of the suggestion i would give to a, a person who is uh, in third or fourth year of phd that they should get this 
uh, studies published on a preprint server at least so uh, so when you are approaching to a, a, another professor or scientist in different country they can read it and they can understand that uh, what, what was your approach what what kind of study you do uh, in and they have a better clear perspective so uh, these things are uh, very helpful i think for uh, getting a position phd or postdoc thank you sir thank you so much for your uh, sharing your experience thank you so much for giving your time and it's been really lovely talking to you and after a long we met through this interview so and now my viewers also know you and they will know that how what kind of research you are doing and they will obviously learn a lot from you thank you so much sir for your thank time thank you so much sir yeah thank you thank so much thank you